Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello and welcome again to another edition of Mets Musings. I hope you had a great week out there and this week we're going to skip the usual uh, uh, talking and opening and go right to our special guest. It's our halfway point of the season round table and we've got the usual suspects all rounded up and ready to go. So let's start with Mr. Jeff Cohen. He is one of the hosts of the successful Baseball and BBQ, one of the best podcasts on the internet. Jeff, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thank you, Gary. It's always a pleasure. And also joining us is his partner in crime, the lovely and talented Mr. Len Abraman. Len, Thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. You know, I'm very thankful that you have me on today because I missed the last one. And I heard your numbers went way up. So the fact that you're having me on, you just don't really care about your ratings. So thank right. you. We want to see them go crashing right down to the floor. So. I can guarantee that I can make that happen. All right. And finally, our other guest is my former co-host. And now he's just a maven in training, Mr. Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back. I'm I'm even in training. MIT. I like that. I'm going to use it. I'm going to trademark it, and I'm just going to run with that. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. Excellent. I I don't I want to know what a maven in training, how how one trains to be a maven. Is there a school? Are you Barry? Are you attending classes, evening classes online? What's the deal? Well, I haven't got. The bill for it yet, but I suppose that it, that is coming and, and, and coming sooner than later. Oh, Take it's out free. a Sally May loan. <laughs> and I wasn't even though I was taking the course. <laughs> uh. Because you get it via osmosis. That's why. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's talk about what we're here this evening for to talk about the New York Mets. And uh, First half, the Mets are at, uh, what are they, 15-30. Uh, they were in a rain delay at uh, for game 81, of course, because uh, Max Scherzer was supposed to pitch. So it had to rain to uh, get a setback. But uh, hopefully they'll, they'll play at uh, 7.30 or so, um, and uh, Scherzer will get his work in tonight. But uh, 15-30, first place, three-and-a-half game lead in the National East. Uh, Expectations so far, are they high, medium, low? Uh, What do you think? We'll start with Jeff. Uh, Expectations. I guess at the beginning of the season, if you're saying we're 50 wins in early July, 
I think I think I take that. But because they had such a large lead a month ago, you you think they run away with it, but they're not. And obviously, June was a so-so month. They were like I think one game over five hundred in June, and and the Braves were just red hot. So they lost that that big lead. But I guess expectation was about where we thought they'd be. You know, twenty games over five hundred. Heck, when was the last time we saw that? Mm-hmm. Len. First, can I just say, Gary Matt? Oh, I missed I, doing that. I <laughs> just heard the you. crash of the ratings going. <laughs> there down. you go. <laughs> yeah. First of all, 50 and 30. I would have signed for that even if DeGrom and Scherzer were part of the starting rotation to be 20 games. You're talking right now. They're on pace for a hundred win season. Are you kidding me? In a heartbeat, I would have signed for it. They are far exceeding my expectations. Okay. 50 and 30, 20 games over. And they don't have two of their starters with them that we were expecting. Like I said, even without the two starters or with the two, I would have signed on the dotted line love it and barry what's your thoughts i'll pretty much just continue on with with lynn and say you'd have to be crazy not to have signed for a 50 and 30 record at the midpoint of the season but you would never know this from looking at what seems to anyway be the majority of social media postings but You'd really have to be a blithering idiot not to have signed for this. And you have to remember, in March, there was the possibility that we wouldn't even have a Caesar, at least a part of it would be canceled. Now, does this mean they're going to hold off Atlanta for the NLE's title? They may, they may not. The Braves are a hell of a team. And did anyone think when they were 10 and a half games out at the end of May, would the Braves just give up on the season? Oh, of course not. There are three wild cards now. And the Braves are a tremendous team. They've only played the Mets three times. And we could be looking at a carbon copy of last year when the Giants won 107 games and the Dodgers won 106. But L.A. got them in the wild card round, although Wilmer did check his swing. And... Uh, Unless the Mets have a rash of injuries and get nothing from Jake or Scherzer, and when I say a rash of injuries, basically if they lose, say, Alonzo or Diaz or maybe Lindor, I don't see any way they don't get into the playoffs, at least as a wild card. There are six playoff spots this year. There are six bad teams in the National League. The Marlins aren't that good. I don't count them as one of the six. The Phillies are iffy. And Harper is out indefinitely, so do the math. And best thing of all, the Mets have an adult manager who, who never panics. And along with uh, Billy Epler and Uncle Stevie, they will make the moves for the team to get better by the trade deadline. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. I, I think that um, I, I think we have to remember too that when Atlanta made their run. I mean, it was truly a run. I mean, the Mets weren't playing awful ball. They were playing, you know, 
They were struggling a little bit, but they played more or less 500 ball a little bit over. It was really that 14 or 13 game winning streak, whatever the Braves had, that really cut into the lead. Uh, you know, because like, like if the Mets went six and four and they went ten and zero, they picked up four games right there. So it, it wasn't that the Mets were, uh, you know, handing it back to them. They they played decent enough ball. It was just that the Braves were so red hot that they were able to make up that that distance. And uh, it's going to be a dogfight next week's going to be very important. Three big games in Atlanta. For the Mets, they got to take two out of three to keep their dominance, and and we'll see how that plays out. But of course, um, the the longest losing streak the Mets had was three games. That's yeah. the longest losing streak so far. Of course, yeah. the longest winning streak's been six games. So they haven't gone on a run where they need to go fifteen out of twenty. But right. because, like you said, uh, Atlanta was just so red hot. You know, yeah. they play five and five. They pick up five games in a week. Right. Right. So. Uh, that was that problem there. But, um, all right, we, we mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, missing DeGrom and Scherzer and McGill. And, uh, so what would you guys think about the first half with the starting pitching? Uh, all things being considered, I mean, really, we can bitch and moan, but uh, as Lynn said, 50 wins, and we have not had essentially three top starters for the majority of the first half, and yet, you know, they're doing it somehow. Uh, what would you say about the first half pitching report? And I'll start with Barry this time. I'd say the starting pitching without the big two has, has been fine. I'd say at least have to give it a B plus. Now, would I like to see the starters go deeper into the games and not tax that bullpen? Of course, but that's that's baseball 2022, and even if we get her. I want to say when we get Scherzer back, but with DeGrom, it's more if we get DeGrom back, because I'll believe that when I see him take the mound, he's going to be a five-inning, six-inning pitcher, pitcher tops. But with with Walker, Carrasco, and Bassett, that's still a solid three. And the other two days, it's usually a lot of bullpen and the bullpen has been solid. I know you asked just about the starting pitching, but the pitching in general, I, I, I have to give it at least a B. I don't think it's it's higher than than that, but you know, I'll I'll take a B any day. <laughs> you know, I would have taken them throughout my school career and any day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have to say, I'm pleased. I'm actually as surprised as anything that uh, Walker has come back after the lousy second half he had last season and also we've seen a lot of good pitching from David Peterson who was tremendous in his rookie season of 2020 and not so good in 2021 but he's been pretty solid but the Mets rotation could use a little upgrade the biggest one being the return of Scherzer and hopefully DeGrom but there's a there's room for for trade and I guess we will get to that along with the bullpen uh, shortly Mm-hmm. Len? I think actually, well, first of all, the, the fillers, uh, the fillers, the, the replacements, whatever you want to call them for, for Scherzer and DeGrom, um, they've done an outstanding job. I actually think if, if and, and I am going to be, I cannot, as much as it's in our DNA to complain, to bitch and moan as Mets fans, 
I'm not going to do it because there's no reason to. So I'm going to be I'm going to be the positive one. Uh, the it's definitely would I have wanted Scherzer to make, uh, you know, to, to to have the last five, six, seven weeks as a starter with the team? Absolutely. But because of how this the replacements have done, this has been basically uh, some well-needed rest for Scherzer. You know, if you remember the end of last season, you know, he he was done. He he took himself out of the game um, and he was done. This it's an oblique. So he healed. He's back from it. It's not an arm issue. So we don't need to worry about that. Hopefully, you know, this isn't something that's going to pop up again. But this is basically a forced vacation for Scherzer. It's going to be less innings on his arm at this stage of the game. So I, I think actually it turned out to be a positive. The replacements have been great. And uh, I give them an A plus. That's what I give them. Yeah, and I'm a tough grader, but I give them an A plus. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, Jeff. I, well, I wouldn't go as far as an A plus, obviously. I just want to say just to take a point that Barry said that, uh, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom, they're going to go five, five, five and a half and six. And that, that's all the, all the starters do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think one game, maybe Bassett went into the eighth inning. You know, the other day, uh, Carrasco went 5.2 and Tomlin Walker went 5.2. So they're not going past six innings anyway. It's the new baseball. Yes, it's modern baseball. Exactly. Hashtag modern baseball. But <laughs> very impressed with Tiwan Walker. He's seven and two. He has an ERA less than three. Who who thought that would happen? I mean, he's been pitching very well. David Peterson has been very impressive also. 3.24 ERA. I mean, there's been games. He, he hasn't been good, but there's been, there's, he's been excellent. Uh, you know, they, they all go through their phases and, you know, they, they've been very good for the most part. It's the bullpen that's a little scary, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, by the way, they did let go of Jason Shreve today. I uh, don't know if you heard the news, but that he was uh, he was DFA'd. No, I did not hear that, and it's not a big surprise. He struggled a lot this year, uh, and so uh, I'm not surprised at all. Did they uh, did they say who they called up to replace him at all? Or Scherzer. Oh, for Scherzer. Okay. Yeah. Jeff, what, what grade would you give the starters? Starters? Yeah. B plus. Okay. So maybe an A plus, maybe too positive for yes. everyone. Yeah. But I, I think they've stepped in and really played well. So maybe not an A plus, but I give them an A. I'm sorry. That's what I'm giving them. All right. Okay. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give them a B, B plus as well. I think they've done a great job. Uh, you know, even Trevor Williams had some good games where he came in and really uh, gave up, you know, a couple of runs. And in this day and age, if you give up two, three runs and you keep your team at that, that's a good start nowadays. And, and uh, I think that's what uh, most of these starters have done. They've kept. They've given up some runs, yes, but they've kept it uh, at that then, able to shut down the team then and, and allowed the Mets the, the time to get back into the game. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, they've done uh, well. And 
I'm looking forward really to see. I mean, um, we're going to talk a little bit later about trades, but boy, getting Scherzer and uh, DeGrom comes back in a couple of weeks and then McGill comes back in a month. And, and the key is they're going to be rested. So they're going to be tough down the stretch if if we can get these guys to come back and they're healthy and they stay healthy the rest of the year. It's a big if, but, you know, we have to hope that way that, that they will come back and uh, be rested. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the relief pitching. Wait, uh, Gary, can I just yes. say one thing? Sure. you just reminded me of something. I, I will tell you one thing that bothered me a lot, and I guess, and I, I don't know if there was anything they could have done about it, but DeGrom in his rehab start, I think, what did he throw, 24 pitches, 27 yeah. pitches? yeah. And he was hitting 100 on the radar gun. His first start back. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Now, now you know what? That. Now, that, that, um, <laughs> he, you know, Len, if he hit 100 miles per hour, people complain about that. If he hit 95 miles per hour, people complain about that. There's something yeah. wrong. I'm it, complaining. He's not going to win either way. He was going to, no matter what happened, the narrative was going to be, he's throwing too hard. He's not throwing hard enough. Okay, yeah, I have yeah. to weigh in on this one also because <laughs> I have a lot of DeGrom stuff here. And this is the opportunity, and I'm going to take it. And, Len, I pretty much agree with you. And you guys yes. know that nobody loves Jake more than me, except for maybe his wife, his kids, and his mother. But <laughs> the stars, I am very disappointed that he's even talking about opting out, regardless of him saying afterwards that he wants to stay a man. But he hasn't pitched in a year. Why not just get back on the mound, see if you can stay healthy, and then just let the chips fall where they may? And, his, and as far as him hitting 101 in the uh, exhibition game the other night, Glenn, I pretty much agree with you almost 100%. We've seen several pitches with lengthy injuries the first one that comes to mind is Justin Brown. They come back, they don't throw as hard, but they still get people out. And does anybody really think that if DeGrom threw 95, 96 miles an hour, he couldn't get big hitters out? No, but and, there'll be the narrative will be that he's not, there was something wrong with him. In his first think, start back, I don't oh, come on. Just, maybe, but I think the pros would outweigh the cons. Even Jeremy exactly. said, that there's a law of diminishing returns for any pitcher that that throws that hard and maxes out. It would release to to me behoove Degrom to try and dial it back, especially when he's pitching against minor leaguers in a rehab start. I, yeah. I really feel strongly about it. He does not have to throw 100, 101 miles an hour. He's had 11 trips to the injured list in the last 21 months, and I'm not. I guess the 11 being this one year absence. If, do we really want DeGrom at 101 miles an hour, pitching maybe twice and then being done for the year? Or do you want to see, you know, the, the really good DeGrom of 2015, 16, 17, even his rookie season, when, when he didn't throw 100, 101 miles an hour? But he was a damn good pitcher then. All of a sudden, 2018, 2019, he turns into pretty much an immortal pitcher. But look. Look what happened! Look, look, look what's happened since then. I, I can't stress enough how I really think that they have to work with him and try and get him to 
dial it back a little. If it's part of his DNA, then that's just the risk that they're going to have to take. But hopefully they can get him to dial it back a little. With the technology of today, maybe a little different grip on the ball. I don't think it is that would be that difficult for him to actually cut a few miles off his fastball. And as far as the breaking pitches, you know, the, 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 the same thing. So the distance or the change in speed between the fastball and his other pitches is still considerably more. I, I can't stress this enough. Yeah. Can, can I just take Jeff? I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta take you to task. I gotta, I gotta bring it on. Bring it on. Cause you have said, <laughs> you have said numerous times on the baseball and barbecue podcast that, okay. <laughs> that these guys are throwing too hard all the time and they need to, pitch and not always reach back for everything they have when they don't need to. And I don't really care what the narrative would be for a few days until his next start. It was his first start against single A batters. He had to throw 101. Come on. Come on. We're going to lose him again. It's bad. It's bad. bad. Somebody should have said something to him. I Well, I've spoken to a former Met GM at the Queens baseball convention back in November. And he said that that's just his DNA. It's the way his body is. It's the way his mechanics is. It, it wouldn't change a thing. And this was Omar Manaya telling me this. So yeah, but he's you know, the former, he's the former GM. I think he knows more baseball than you, you, me, Gary and Barry all combined. And, not and, more and, than, <laughs> not more than Barry. <laughs> well, that's Barry my, agrees with me. Well, that's so. because of my MIT, my MIT. <laughs> Exactly. Come on. All right, Gary. Gary, go ahead. Break the tie. By the way. Well, I agree with both of you. I think it. I think it was. Oh, come on. But I'm. I'm. I'm telling you know. Let's also keep in in mind that he was he was throwing comfortably. I watched some of it. Uh, He was throwing comfortably and I I think he wanted to make a statement. He knew he was going to throw probably around 20 to 25 pitches and he wanted to air it out a couple of times and he has been it's not like he hasn't been throwing he has been throwing he's been throwing uh in in simulated games and and i know it's not the same as in-game action uh, but you are throwing and you're throwing just as hard so it's not like he was off for a year and then just picked up the ball and threw it 100 miles an hour. His arm has been stretched out. He's been throwing. All he's doing now is to build up stamina, more stamina. Uh, But I I think that um, while it was ridiculous, I think he wanted to prove a point. I think he had X amount of of pitches, and he knew it was going to be that. And uh, I think he wants to come back and – and and that's why he did what he did. So, um, you know, no harm, no foul. He came out of it okay. I do agree that he's he should learn to throttle it back a little bit. Tom Seaver never threw it a hundred percent. No, Tom Seaver always threw. Right. Said he threw it what ninety two, ninety five percent of his capability, and he always kept that five percent if he ever needed it. Exactly. Uh, but uh, you know, Just and that's era. what uh, perhaps the Grom's got to got to uh, got to learn. 
but it it but what Jeff says does you know it's pretty true. It's it's in his DNA. It's the way he throws the ball, and uh, you know if he can do that, it's it's a good sign that that hopefully his arm is sound. And don't forget, it really wasn't his arm this time. This was uh, something in the shoulder, wasn't it? Uh, uh, the, mm-hmm. Uh, that was and all right. I know what you're going to say, Len. It's the stress Len, throwing on miles an I'm hour. Drop the mic. <laughs> you could drop. You drop the mic, and I hope it breaks so that you can't say anything else. I'm going to say one more thing. Last season, okay. You, yes, this was his shoulder, his scapula, whatever. Yes. Uh, am I? Am I now? Am I misremembering this, or did last season he not? have to leave because he had uh issues in his forearm did he not have uh some forearm issues or am i misremembering but that was a tightness wasn't it or uh that was and that was that and i don't know was this, a forearm, and that's that and this. Or, uh, a Come muscle on. i don't know i don't remember I, the point is the point is it's all fine until it's not well, okay and that's Want him back pitches. or not well and that's different era, now. different era when we uh, were when uh, when when uh, Seaver and the Kuzmans were pitching, they pitched through they knew how to pitch and they knew how to pitch through pain or whatever. But I'm just trying to get Gary some big ratings by saying, you know, we're going to get the controversy going. You know, the two guys from baseball and barbecue have a big argument. I mean, you got to get a lot of listeners coming on. <laughs> and guys, I really hope I'm wrong about this, but when. It's 11 different, if not trips to the I.O., but 11 different injuries, which force him to miss his start in in 21 months. You know something is not right, regardless mm-hmm. if something does or doesn't show up on an MRI. You just you just know just intuitively that something is not right. And the, the first thing I thought of when they had it in the paper that he was maxing out at 101 miles an hour. I was like, is he out of his mind? I mean, these are, <laughs> you know, these are, these are single A batters, you know, just get your work in. And even if they clobber you, you just throw nothing but straight fastballs. You, you got your work in. It's like a spring training game. If DeGrom was healthy and he pitched a spring training game and he went three innings and gave up five runs, would anybody be worried about it? Of course not. Right. Just get your work in. Okay. I agree. Barry. I agree. <laughs> totally. Uh, Jeff, it's in his DNA. <laughs> but it's true that, you know, I mean, the, the point also remains <sighs> that if he didn't throw that hard, then there'd be people over social media saying, What's wrong with the drum? They're hiding something. Uh, They're letting them. Well, you don't care, but there's going to be people that, you know, uh, that are going to speculate everything that happens. Well, Gary, they push Scherzer back. They push push Scherzer back one day in one of his rehab thoughts and the freaking social media was like, oh, Scherzer's hurt worse than, than we thought. He's not coming back when they say, and here he is coming back tonight. And the game is underway, by the way. It's 2-2 count on Nimmo uh, okay. as we speak. Uh, and and so, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, but uh, it, it, it's the 
not that they play to the social media, but you, you can you're not going to make them happy in any no matter what happens. Gary, let me interject regarding social media, and then I'll uh, throw the mic over to the three of you who are actually doing live podcasts these days. But there's no pleasing everybody on social media, and if you look at the majority of the social media postings, you would think the Mets are. 30 and 50, and if they lose tonight, <laughs> we'll be mathematically eliminated. Right. And I have, I have mm. on many occasions posted this, and I'll just say it here, and that is unless every Mets batter hits a home run on the first pitch of every game and every Mets pitcher strikes out the side on nine pitches every time, someone on social media is going to find something to complain about. <laughs> That's for sure. There's a lot of chicken littles on social media. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, all right. Let's uh, I think we beat the uh, starting pitching into a uh, submission. So what about the relief pitching? It's been shaky at times. It's been fantastic at times. Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, uh, <laughs> it works. Uh, Diaz has been um, pretty reliable, though. I got to admit, I still got to cross my fingers and and toes whenever he comes into a game. He still makes me nervous sometimes, but he has been very reliable. He's he's done well. Uh, Drew Smith was good for a while, and now he's a little shaky. Uh, Adovino... I you know he's pitched well, but boy, I I watch his body language and I think he looks like a deer in a headlight. It could be just his facial expressions, but he 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 comes in and I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> you know, I just get nervous. I yeah, don't know why. Yeah. Um, Rodriguez has been up and down. Who else do we got? Oh, um, who who else? The heck, uh, Adonis Medina. Yeah. Adonis Medina, Holderman, Holderman, who has the best name Holderman. on the team <laughs> because he comes in and holds the game. Yeah, yeah he's pitched well. Um, uh, Lugo's been up and down. He looked good last night. Uh, all right. I, I'm going to start with this, and I'm going to give the relief pitching a – it's hard to give him a C. I, I give him a B-. minus. Yeah, I mean, I can t- Edwin Diaz is having a phenomenal season. Phenomenal. 1.95 ERA. He's uh, striking out the world. Question is, will he be able to do it in the postseason? But before we get there, uh, you know, I get nervous sometimes when he's getting hit hard. You know, the first second battle and you're getting hit, you just know he doesn't have it. I don't know why they don't have anybody up behind him when that happens, but I'm not the manager. Uh, the rest of the bullpen... Very, very shaky. Drew Smith, he thought he was doing, he t- thought he was going to turn a corner, and now you, you caught your fingers. Uh, same with Seth Lugo. I mean, he thought he was reliable. You, you don't know what you got. Uh, Adam Alavino, I'm looking at now, he's a 2.67 ERA, which really surprised me. I thought it was much higher than that. Uh, Joely Rodriguez is the only left hander in the bullpen now, which, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to get someone to uh, re- replace Jason Shreve. Chase and Shreve, I should say. Trevor Williams will give you a couple good innings, uh, you know, in a blowout game. 
other than that, I mean, uh, who we else have there? You have uh, Trevor May is going to be coming back. Yoan Lopez, who I, I like Yoan Lopez. He has that gumption. You know what? You don't don't screw around with my players. I'm going to come up and in. So I like him. That's in his DNA. <laughs> yes, it is. DNA. And and the guy with the best name on the team, Adonis Medina. He I, I think he's pretty good as well. But overall, the bullpen really needs an upgrade. You need. And you know what? Is it Trevor May when he comes back? Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I, I've seen the last of Jake Reed. I don't want to see him anymore. Um, you know, Sean Reed Foley, I guess, you know, again, I don't want to see him anymore. But other than that, shaky bullpen, shaky bullpen. Leonard, I'm going to give the bullpen an A plus. <laughs> no, that's stop. No, I, I, you know, it's so funny because you talk about the bullpen, and you know, Gary wanted to give them a C, then a B minus, and Jeff, I don't know if he actually gave him a grade, um, it, but. As whatever they're doing, the Mets are 50 and 30. And the bullpen is in the game all the time. The, uh, I don't see any complete games being thrown. So we were just talking about that, how, you know, that's baseball. So as whatever they're doing, they're 50 and 30. So I, I don't want to grade them because I just think they're doing well enough to make the team 50 and 30. You, you you know, take it from there. Maybe with a better bullpen, they'd be 16-20. Maybe. Or maybe they with, you know, a different bullpen, they'd be, you know, 40 and 30. Uh, for, wait, do the math. 40 and 40. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the, the bullpen only has 21 saves. That means 29 of the wins have been, you know, more than five, five and three runs. So you kind of have that, okay, you have that part of relief you know you don't have to you know, absolutely worry about absolutely but you know bullpens are tough so fickle yeah that fickle yeah, is right. right but yeah and i completely forgot what i was going to say but so i'm just kind of going to kind of wing it here but it, ds is an a maybe, maybe even an a plus he had that little blip in me where he blew a couple of saves then he then he straightened himself out but 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 Diaz is an A. You have to be crazy not to think anything else. And the rest of the bullpen is shaky. And in my opinion, the biggest need on this team, since now bullpens are in the game in the sixth inning pretty much every night, the Mets have to have more reliable arms to get those, those sometimes as many as 12 outs you need. Like you guys said, Lugo's been up and down almost from the start of the season. Drew Smith was doing great. He's kind of hit a wall. They need another lefty in the bullpen. i sure we're going to talk about trades. I have one guy in mind. I am betting that one or all three of you are going to have the same pitcher in mind as I do. But the, the Mets need an upgrade in the bullpen. Maybe it's Trevor May, although he was kind of in and out, even a little bit in and out. Last year, it would be nice to get a bounce back and get the Seth Lugo of 2019 in 2022. I agree 100% about Adavino. There's just something about him. Even though he's pitched better later, there's just, just something about him that just makes me nervous. And uh, who, who who's left? Who, who, who am I missing? Rodriguez? 
okay, yeah, he's so-so. You know, you can get by with him. I think it's the second lefty in the bullpen. Only lefty in now. A, in, in, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But hopefully Uncle Stevie, Buck, and Billy will, will, will fix that, at least by the trading deadline. The, the Mets clearly need an upgrade in the bullpen. I'd still give him a B, but that's mainly because of Diaz. Okay. Well, that's fair. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, bullpens are a tough thing, as we all know. They they can be great. They can be terrible. Uh, uh, they go from season to season that way. You'll have a terrific bullpen when you same same guys the next season will be awful. So uh, it's hard to, to uh, put together, but let's hope they can – Maybe add an arm or two and uh, see where they go from there. The offense this year. Offense has been much improved over uh, the last few years, or at least last year. And uh, a lot uh, can be said about uh, Eric Chavez's approach. Um, And yet we've seen some struggles from the offense as well. Uh, I, I think sometimes because we watch the team every day that we see it more than maybe perhaps other people do that don't watch it, uh, that just see them, you know, them at fifteen thirty. But uh, offense, uh, Len, we're going to start with you. Okay. Uh, what would you give the offense of the Mets so far in this first half? Wait, that again, they're fifteen thirty, and it's definitely because of the offense. They don't hit a ton of home runs. You know, but Lindor has been much better. Alonzo is having an incredible season. Um, oh boy. You know, I don't know that they have the offense. To, oh, I shouldn't say that. If 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 they have the pitching, well, I know we're talking offense and I'm thinking playoffs, but if they have the pitching, I think they have enough offense to do well and, and maybe, you know, go to the end. Um, you know, everybody's saying, I, I mean, I read social media and all that, everything, you know, they add another bat, add another bat. And then the question is, are they bringing the bat up from the minors or making a trade? Uh, they probably do need another bat, but um, they're weak at DH. You know that they could use some some offense there, so but I I would give the offense. I mean, without dissecting position by position, because obviously at third base we're not getting as much offense as we'd like, and you know without going position position by position, I'd probably give the offense um, an A minus. How's that? Okay. Barry, Glenn, do you have a copy of my notes? Barry, we are <laughs> I, we are like simpatico. You I mean, and me, we, I'm yeah, like, we are spot on tonight because that's almost the identical thing that I was going to say, and I will say it anyway. I have them as an A minus, and until it sounds the, better when you say it anyway, Barry. Okay, okay. coming well, from you, it you know, sounds it's, better. You know, it's my <laughs> MIT background. What, what, exactly. What what, what 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 can there I you say? go? Anyway. Until they came up against the Astros, I had them as an A, but, you know, the Astros are a very good team with a very deep pitching staff, and they're trying to win, as are all 
28 other teams just as hard as the Mets are. Uh, maybe some people on social media may may want to realize this, that the other teams are trying to win just as much as the Mets are. But getting back to the offense, I'll give them an A- minus until they hit the Astros. The, they were uncanny getting runs, you know, getting runners in scoring position in. And their, their numbers with, you know, less, you know, moving runners, advancing runners, and, it, you know, the clutch hitting was spectacular. And, you know, realistically, it just really wasn't going to stay that way. I guess you could call it a regression to the mean, you know, if you want to, you, you know, some uh, spiffy term for it. And I, I look at the Mets lineup, but I don't really see that many holes in it. Is everyone going to hit at the same time? Well, no, of course not. But the Mets lineup is solid. Like Len said, they are they are kind of weak at designated hitter. It looks like Dom Smith is starting to come around a little bit. We'd like to see a few home runs from him, but I think that this is just my opinion, and I would hope that it, it will happen this way. I kind of think it may not, but I think since the majority of the Mets games are against right-handed pitching. What the Mets should do is when they face a righty, Alonzo should be the designated hitter pretty much all the time. Dom should play first base. It would only be for this year because I don't think Dom has any long-term future with this team. But for 2022, the Mets want to get to the postseason and do well. And their best lineup is Alonzo DHing. Smith at first base, and I think you guys kind of know the rest of the lineup. And against lefties, I guess you put Alonzo back at first and you try it with J.D. Davis, but they do have a guy in the minors. He's a right-handed hitter. He could be the 2022 version of the 2015 Michael Conforto, and that's, that's Mark Vientos. He's raking it in AAA. They could give him a shot, let him be the right-handed D.H., and, and, and see what happens. I mean, they, they could try that. I, I would have no objection to that. And they could maybe even put J.D. Davis in a trade for the much-needed bullpen help that they need. Jeff? Well, I'm going to say that uh, there's a tremendous hole at the DH spot. J.D. Davis and Don Smith, and I like Don Smith, and I like J.D. Davis, but they give you nothing. Don Smith, zero home runs, 16 RBIs, only batting 215, despite what he did last night. I know he had a big double last night, but batting 215 with 16 RBIs. J.D. Davis, two home runs, 14 RBIs, hitting 245. That means combined they have two home runs and 30 RBIs out of the DH spot. Now, weren't we saying... For two, three seasons now, when the DH comes in National League, oh, Mets are fine there. They have a DH. No, we don't. It's been, they, it's not, they're not doing well. It, they're just not. I say, and I agree with, with Barry here, bring up Vientos. The trade deadline is only a few weeks away. Let's see what he can do in that DH role. You know what? Give him three weeks. And if he doesn't do well, you didn't gain anything. You didn't lose anything. But at least you know if he does well, then you can use the, the pieces more for, for pitching that, that they need. 
Bring up Vientos. Let's see what he can do. The DH spot is a, a big hole. And also catcher. But we're not going to bring up Alvarez now. That, that would be a big mistake putting him into a uh, a pennant race like this. I, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, uh, That would be insane. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. I question that he should even be in AAA yet. But let, I would say let's see what Vientos can do in, in the DH role. He can't do worse. And that frees up the time, you know, other things that the team could do, get pitching at the trade deadline. I mean, I like Dom and I like uh, J.D. Davis, but they give you nothing. Gary, tell me, I'm, am I wrong? No, I agree that the, the, the DH has been a black hole, but, you know, it's been a black hole for a lot of teams in the National League. Uh, uh, I mean, other than the Phillies and the Braves, and, and really, I don't think a lot of – the numbers for the designated hit. I was just trying to find them. I couldn't find them. But I mean, they're pretty paltry. It's it's uh, they had better numbers without the DH, and uh, you know uh, that's going some because when you're considering the pitching uh, pitchers hitting, uh, but it, it has not been good. They definitely have to do something about it. Whether or not they go out and get a Josh Bell or try to get a Josh Bell or a Nelson Cruz. Something along that line, uh, but they're not even do well. Josh Bell is 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 uh, having a great year, but but he's been playing too. He's been playing first base. Uh, Nelson Cruz is having a terrible season so far, so I don't think I'd go waste any talent for him. I do like the idea of Mark Vientos. I don't see a problem with it. Uh, he's not that good with the glove, but. Yet it gives you more flexibility. It gives you a guy that can play first, third, a little bit of left field if necessary, uh, and like, like you said, just let him hit and uh, be the DH. Then and he has been having a good year. Uh, he got off to a slow start, but now he's raking, as Barry said. Um, Alvarez has been talk about bringing him up as the DH. I would not do it. I would not do that idea at all he is your catcher for the future let him learn how to catch uh you know uh scherzer was very impressed with him when he pitched in binghamton and that's high praise coming from scherzer so let him develop that ability still let him keep going i don't think it was a bad idea rushing him to Syracuse, I don't think they're rushing him. I, I, I think uh, you know the Mets. We we criticize the Mets if they don't bring a, a guy up at a young age and they wait, and then uh, you know if they do bring a guy along, we we criticize them for that too. So you never can win as an organization. But uh, remember, Doc uh, Gooden came along, came up as a nineteen-year-old. So I think if it, you know. It, it's it's a chance to see if this kid can handle it. Uh, I think he you know be all right. He got his first hit in an RBI last night for Syracuse in the game, it was his first start. So I think he'll be he's okay. He don't worry about him. He's a, he's a mature kid, uh, and uh, but let him work more on his craft of catching because they really need him at least in his first few years, to be a catcher. And then if they decide, uh, you know, once he hits the majors and he has, you know, he can, he's hitting the pitching and uh, they decide to move him to either another position or make him the DH, that's fine. But let him learn the craft. I, I know they have other catchers coming up and 
And and while the offense has been terrible from a catching position, the defense itself hasn't been bad. Uh, Needle's been throwing out guys. McCann has thrown out some guys. McCann has shown some signs of of maybe perhaps hitting uh, a little bit more. And uh, and Needle's uh, he's a funny hitter. He really is. I mean, he'll go 0 for 20 and then have a 3 for 3 game. You know, you never know with this guy. Um, he'll look bad at one at bat, and the next bat he'll he'll dump a key single or something. So I think I I think that if they get Escobar going, and he seems to be going now a little bit, uh, and and Canna's got to get hot again, and McNeil's kind of cooled off. He's got to get going. Um, I I think they'll be okay, and they can carry a Nito and a McCann at the catcher spot. Um, and I still think this team relies on Nimmo. How Nimmo goes, that's how this team seems to go. Uh, Nimmo had a good night last night, and and they won the game. Uh, struggled the other night, and they they lost against Texas. So, uh. You know, I think he's a big spark and uh, a key player, even if he's hitting 269 or whatever. He means a lot to this team, and they better sign him next year because he is a spark plug. Uh, I don't care what you hit. He's just one of those guys that the the uh, uh, intangibles with him is very important. All right, I don't know if you want to talk about the defense at all. Uh, you know, um it's been pretty decent. Anybody else want to chime in on the defense? It's much improved. That's uh, all I'm going to say. It's definitely much improved. We don't talk a lot about the defense because it's better. De- defense is something that unless it's like, you know, unless you got Ozzie Smith at shortstop, you know, you, 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 they make the plays that they have to. Sometimes they make some really nice plays. They've, they've been, uh, the defense has been much improved no, no complaints. Defense is solid. We went through years where it was Murphy and Flores as the double play combination, and somehow <laughs> one appended with that. With it that went to the World Series most, most of the time. Most of the time, the defense is is well above average, and I had no problems well, with, with it at all. I gotta tell you, I'm so impressed with Jeff McNeil on defense. Yeah, put him at second base or put him in the outfield. He is. He's gonna make the plays. Yeah. He's a player. I yeah. I hate to say it, and I'm not even mocking you, Jeff. But baseball, he's a he's a player. It's in his DNA. DNA. And for it's years I said put, put McNeil in one position, but they move him between second base and left field, and his defense doesn't suffer at all. And then you have the super sub in Luis Guillorme, who he can play. Anywhere in the infield, and now they're starting to see that with regular bats, he's getting exposed. But as a part-time player, he is still a very valuable part of this team, just not as an everyday player. Let me just and say he, something about. I'm sorry. Let me just say something no, about Francisco, Francisco Lindor. I mean, I know we're expecting so much more out of him due to his his contract, and right now he's batting 248, but. In the last 162 games he's played, he has 151 hits, 
23 doubles, five triples, 30 home runs, 102 runs scored, 11, 111 RBIs, and 15 stolen bases, uh, and batting 251. I think we're expecting a lot more out of the contract. But that's who he is. And he's going to give you a, a solid defense. So, we, you know, people should stop worrying about what the contract Oh, he's getting paid too much money, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It's done. He's getting paid. And, you know, let's just hope he has a good season. You know, these, these numbers are, are very good. I mean, almost a hit a game. I, I will say this about Lindor. I, I, I think I was led to believe that his glove was a lot better than it is. Uh, I, I see a lot of loose play at shortstop sometimes from him. And this is just a minor criticism. Uh, but it just, uh, you know, I guess I expected to see Ozzy Smith at shortstop, and I'm not, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting a Ray Ordonez. I'm getting more like Rafael Santana. <laughs> Maybe a notch above uh, defensively, not offensively. Uh, but I, I am surprised at the, uh, the, the defense isn't as sharp as everybody made it out to be. And that's just my opinion. I could, I could be wrong. No, he's not the Wizard of Oz, but, you know. Who is? Right. And maybe he's lost a step or two. And maybe that's one reason, along with the money, of course, that the Guardians wanted to trade him. And the, the Guardian fans can't complain about that trade at all. I'm sure you guys have followed. Rosie's playing well. And Andres Jimenez, I mean, he's, having a uh, he's, going, he's going crazy. Mm. Yeah. He, I mean, they'd have made looks, that trade straight up. Lindor uh, uh, for Jimenez with the stats Jimenez is giving them so far. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Who who knew he had that kind of power? Yeah. And his he defense is second wonderful. to none. Maybe we saw Jimenez at shortstop a lot in 2020, and we were expecting that from Lindor. But he, I still think Lindor is solid. He, uh, he makes all he makes most of the plays mm -hmm. Occasionally, like Gary said maybe he'll have a loose throw and uh and have a throwing error that way but I I, I can't complain about the Mets uh -oh. defense really in any position a little a little side note in that uh, Ed, uh Edwin Diaz trade that the Mets made a few years ago they uh the Mariners wanted uh Jimenez not uh not Kellenic at first just goes to show you what how highly they thought of him at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the big the big question with him and is would he hit in the majors? I think he's answered that question last year and this year. So, uh, you know, that's the way it works sometimes. All right. Um, the manager and the and coaching... I just wanted to say Guardians. That's why I threw that in. Just to say oh, Cleveland okay. Guardians. Okay. <laughs> The manager and the coaching staff, do we want to give them a, a, a report or, uh, uh, you know, just uh, just say straight A's all across the board? Or has anybody got any uh, uh, comments about the manager and the coaching staff? Give them A's. Get... Buck, Buck Showalter came in. They finally took a fine car with uh -oh. a great engine, uh -oh. tires. Here we go. We, you know what? I got to tell you, we were guests on a couple on a show last week, and, and Len, you, Len likes to use this metaphor a lot. Go ahead, Len. Go wow, ahead. this is this is what I got to deal with. 
Oh, um, one trick pony, Jeff. Is I, that what you're trying to say? I am, you but love you know, the metaphor. It, it it's a I I like to use it, yes, because I feel like what what they did was they were always building this you know this fine car, at least trying to, and then they were taking someone who had just gotten their license and saying, "Here, drive it." Finally, they got a driver who actually has experience, knows what they're doing, and can handle a fine engine you know a, a fine race car i feel i feel good about it that's that okay so yes jeff i use it a lot well well how do you feel about the bullpen coach craig uh, bjornson how do i feel about him <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what jeff i i i uh i i loop them in. they're 50 and 30 that's all i got to say they're 50 and 30 if he has anything to do with it then I'm good. You know, I always said that uh, the, the batting coach really doesn't do much. He's there more of an advice to the players who want to come up and want some uh, little help. But I got to tell you, Eric Chavez's philosophy with this team, much better than in the past. It's see, more like the Yogi Berra way of, of hitting. See the ball, hit the ball. Not, the, oh, don't worry about your launch angle and your, you know, the, your angle of your, your body. You know. See the ball, hit the ball. And you know what? Hit them where they ain't. And that's what uh, McNeil does great. He hits them where they ain't. And I think it was Lynn that said the scoring these runs and not hitting nearly as many home runs. I think you're toward the bottom of the league in home runs. And if it wasn't for Alonzo, they'd be dead last in the league in home runs. So as far as the, the uh, manager and his staff, yeah, you have to give them A's. Even when they make moves that just don't make sense. Like the other night he put Diaz in in the eighth inning. And I think a lot of us thought he was well-rested. He'd go out for the ninth. He put Smith in. Smith blew the lead. I might have even blown the game. But Buck had an answer. He said, it's a long season. We're going to need Diaz, I'm sure. For the stretch run, he's going to be in there for multiple innings, multiple times. So in Buck, we trust. And if we're grading on a curve compared to the CRA we've had over the past four seasons i'd give him a grade higher than an a plus <laughs> well and i'd I, be 100 percent on shop with jeff there is a grade higher than an a plus by the way a plus plus when i was a kid <laughs> i was in a class with some vet it was a I spelling class music playing in the background yeah. i'm gonna jeff has never heard this one so there I was in a spelling class with some really good spellers like, a, you know, and we would, you know, they'd get an A plus and the teacher would say, well, that's good, but it's not good enough. And we would say, what's better than an A plus? And I'll never forget. The teacher said to us, I, I don't know, they, they an A plus plus Mickey Mouse check star. All right. <laughs> what's better? <laughs> I said, what? That's right. If you can earn an A plus plus Mickey Mouse check star. Okay. And that was the best grade you could get. So that's what you gotta earn. Well, I'm gonna give the coaching staff and manager the Mickey Mouse check star. An A plus plus Mickey Mouse check star. Mickey Mouse check star. Uh I think they're doing a terrific job. I think uh like everyone said, the, this team, even the coaching, 
staff, when when you see a guy get on base, the the first base coach looks more confident. Uh, the third base coach looks confident. There's no question. When he's waving somebody home, he's confident. It's not like the years past. I can't, and I can't explain it. I don't know if it's just me, but I, you know, uh, I see Show Walter in the dugout, and he looks like, hey, I'm the boss. I'm in control. I'm confident. Uh, Hefner, we knew, and Hefner was well respected last year. Everybody loved Hefner. Uh, that was a brilliant move, keeping him, bringing him in with a guy like Show Walter because he's just going to improve as a coach, and, and you got to give him some of the credit for for holding his pitching staff together. You know, uh, with all these injuries, Hafner's got to get some of that credit. Uh, I agree on Chavez. I think his um, his philosophy uh, is we have said that and and. Uh, not that we know much about baseball, but we have said for years, see the ball, hit the ball, and finally they've got a, a uh, um, not only a, a manager, but a hitting coach that's got a similar philosophy, and it's working. You know, don't forget, they had Chili Davis, but we're not sure if the manager was so in tune with him, and that got him fired last year. So um, I think that, uh, you know, that all together, and they got rid of, they didn't get rid of, I shouldn't say that, but they took an emphasis off of analytics. I think last year, and I think this is what happened to Conforto, I think they stuffed so much into these guys' brains before the game and during the game that they could not hit. They froze or whatever you want to call it. If they thought too much, and 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 I believe that's what happened to Conforto last year. I believe if they had signed Conforto this year, he'd be hitting 300 with 20 homers. Uh, he'd be tearing the cover off the ball with this 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 crew, this staff. Um. But and and I just seem to think uh, that there's just a, a more they're better prepared, but they're not overly prepared, if that makes sense. You know, uh, Buck gets them ready, but they're not, uh, things aren't keep stuffed into their head. And, and the, you know, there were reports that the analytics guys were calling down into the dugout and telling guys between innings, things last year, and just were coming down at into batting practice and telling him things. And I think it was too much for a lot of these guys. And I think, uh, as we've all said, Buck is a professional and, and he's in charge. I mean, there's, there's no, you know, if somebody comes down from the front office, I don't, I think he'll tell them to hit the road. You're not telling me what to do. And I don't care. You want to fire me? Fire me. I go back to to uh, MLB Network and get a job, or I can get a job somewhere else. So uh, I think he's just doing win, lose, or draw the rest of the season. I think he's doing a fantastic job. I think the whole staff is doing a great job. Uh, and uh, so uh, that's my opinion. Okay, trades. Who do we want to get, or if anybody, or position? Um and who would you give up? Can I go first? 
Sure. Okay, because I kind of alluded to the left-handed relief pitcher that the Mets need to complement the rest of their bullpen. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this. They're still kind of on the fringe of the race in the American League, but the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim aren't going to win anything. They, 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 they haven't in a, in a long time. And they, they have all lefty relief pitcher. And that's who I think the Mets need to be targeting. There are other guys, too. I can't say that I am really that up to speed on left-handed relief pitchers or relief pitchers in general. But the two guys I kind of think the Mets should be targeting in the bullpen would be David Bednar of the Pirates, who is their closer and is, is a re, has been really solid for the past year. And, of course, Aaron Liu. Now, those are the two guys the Mets should be going after for, for the bullpen. I mean, there are other guys, but, I mean, I, I did look at this a little bit over the past couple of days, and, and those are the two guys the Mets should be targeting. What you have to give up to get them? Well, we know that every team in contention is going to be looking at relief pitchers, and you may have to overpay a little. I wouldn't give up the top, top prospects, but I suppose a second level, second level, excuse me, second level prospect for, for Bednar and Loop or both, especially with Bednar, who is not a free agent until 2027. I, I think you'd have to consider it. Now, can I mention a couple of starting pitches also? Sure. Okay. Well, the Diamondbacks have two, and I kind of morphed them into one because because Matt actually bowled with a, a guy who has this name, and I'll, I'll call him Zach Kelly, but I'm really talking about Zach Callen and Merrill Kelly of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't, I don't think uh, Gallon is available because he's young. I think you'd have to give up the world to him, but, but Merrill Kelly is a solid pitcher. He's uh, 33 years old, and he's not a free agent until that the 2026 season. The Mets have seen him a few times. He's pitched very effectively against them. And he's just a solid middle of the rotation kind of guy. I think that is the starting pitcher that the Mets should be targeting. Again, it depends on what you have to give up. I'm sure he'll be in high demand, but that that's the guy I think the Mets should be targeting. And Gary, I think you mentioned Jose Cruz. No, Jose Cruz. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, Nelson, Nelson Nelson Cruz and uh, Josh Bell. The guy I have here is 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 is, is right up the road from me. That's a Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles. Mm -hmm. He could slot right into the DH spot. I think a trade that would make sense for both teams would be a straight one. Again, I'm playing GM. What do I know? But anyway. What would you guys think of a Trey Mancini straight up one for one trade for Don Smith? How's that say? Do it right. <laughs> Where do I sign up for that? <laughs> and I think the Orioles might do it. They're in a rebuild. They have been for a long time. I think in that ballpark with that with those little league dimensions, I think Smith could be could be a star there. He just needs uh, to play every day. You know, you you mentioned Merrill Kelly, who will be a fine addition. Uh, but also, Dimebacks have a, a high price pitcher that they're trying to trade. So you might have to take back a Madison, 
Madison, I was going to say Madison Square Garden, Madison Bumgarner, <laughs> along with uh, Merrill Kelly, who happens to be younger, younger than uh, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I know. I know. That, that's crazy. He's a, he's a seasoned veteran. He's been through the wars. He's obviously he's not as good as he was 10 years ago in his heyday with the Giants. But you know what? You can use a uh, a seasoned veteran who knows what he's doing on the mound. And Madison, Madison I was going to say it again, Madison Baumgartner wouldn't be a, 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 bad, a bad addition. If, if, if you have to take Merrill Kelly, you might have to take back that contract too. Len? I'm not going to talk the trade game. Here's here's a move though that 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 I think the Mets should make, and and this I don't know why, but it concerns me. For two years now, Pete Alonso, home run derby, and he's won it, wins a million dollars each time. He's going to compete again. I just have a bad feeling about it. If I was the Mets, here's the move I would make, and this isn't a trade. Cohen says to Alonzo, listen, I don't want you to do the competition. I'm going to give you a million, clear and free. I'll give you a million, and I'm going to donate a million dollars to your favorite charity. So I'm going to give you a million and a million to your favorite charity, and I'm going to ask you not to compete in the Home Run Derby because, and I know he loves doing it, Chances are he'll be okay, but on that rare occurrence that for some reason we lose Alonzo for any part of the second half, I, I got a problem with that. So that's the move that I would make besides the trade moves that you guys are uh, discussing. All right. And that's why that's why your your uh, listeners will will go down uh, incrementally on this episode. But. What can I do? I am. I am who I am. <laughs> and, and Jeff, quickie question. The Bumgarner analogy is, no is very interesting. <laughs> what I don't know is does he have he, he he must have some kind of a limited no trade clause. So he uh, might I would think not so. Come, no, I, I, I would think I, I he would. He might, no, but I think a, he would. Yes, that's, I agree with that's you, a yeah. very intriguing thought to bring back both both of those pictures that that. That's really interesting. You know what? It, it, you'd have to think about that if it means taking that big contract, along with wanting to know how many years he he has left on it. But I hadn't thought of Bumgarner at all. But that's 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 definitely food for thought. Uh, just to uh, let you know that Aaron Loop has a four point six six ERA. That's yeah. kind of high. I'm still taking back. Uh, interesting. I never never really thought about uh, Baumgartner, but uh, you know you're right. With a maybe with a contender, and uh, he can discover some of that magic. He came out of the bullpen for San Francisco, right. so he could uh, he could be a swing guy for uh, the Mets if he's healthy. I don't know whether or not he is. Uh, or not yeah he's healthy uh, what kind and you of can never have, have and you can never have too much pitching you know what a fourth or fifth guy named Madison, Madison Baumgartner is not not bad right yeah. now he's a uh, you know he, he's pitching for the Diamondbacks he's so he's right. four and eight but his ERA is respectable 3.74 
Okay. Yeah. You I know what? Go, you that, know. That's respectable. And getting back to the loop thing, you know, and you know, you guys all know is that relief pitchers ERAs can be very misleading at times. Again, we we don't follow the Angels that closely, so I, I really don't know if he's pitched well or not. But I what I do remember is how he pitched last year, and he, he it certainly as long as you don't have to give up the farm, you know, try to get him back. He was so good with the Mets last year. I think that they they may have to give up Mauricio somewhere along the line. And that's the one I would give up because he's blocked. He's not going to go play shortstop. McNeil still has a few more years in him. You're not going to get rid of Beatty or Rientos or uh, Alvarez or or the pitcher. uh, uh, Who's that stud pitcher they have? Uh, I forgot his name. um, Yeah. But uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but they're, they're uh, yeah, Mike, Mercy would be the one to give up if you can get you know good good goodness back. I think Arizona has a pretty decent shortstop, but if you could put Mauricio and a couple of other guys, and if you have to bring back along with Kelly, you bring back Bumgarner again. You there's there's you know there's ways to make the trade work, but that's that's very intriguing. I. Now that really is. That, that's a very interesting proposition. Nas and Bumgarner in the postseason with his track record. I mean, wow. And Cincinnati has a couple of young pitchers, too, that I think are going to get a lot of attention. Uh, can't think of their names. Uh, one is Tyler Mailer, I think, and the other I can't think of. His Castillo. Name. Castillo uh, Luis, right? Luis Castillo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the Pirates will have some interest. The Cubs will probably be sellers as well. Anybody on the Cubs other than the, the catcher <laughs> could be a possibility if they want to go that route. Gary, uh, you, you'll love this. How about bringing back Marcus Stroman 2.0? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no. I think the Cubs, you know, Cubs are regretting that, that, that signing because they paid a lot of money for a terrible pitcher. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's he he's been awful for them. He was hurt. He's been out, and I don't know what his numbers are now. I think he's like three and eight or something with a with a, with a five point four nine ERA. I, no, I don't think they they'd go that route, especially what he said about the organization when he left. So, um, you know, another one of those guys. Keep your mouth shut when you leave. Agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent agree. You know, with you. If he was eight 30. and three, they would have brought him back, no matter what he said. They went to cared. Yeah, but he's not eight and three. He's. he's I know, but I'm just saying that it's it. <laughs> they, it you can say what you no, say as know. long as you I have the know. numbers. If there's somebody else out there, and and the choice to him is somebody else, and it's you're giving up the reasonably the same package. I don't think they. I think they'd go with the other person right now. You know, I, I, I just don't think that uh, uh, he would be worth bringing back at this point in time. How about Steven Matz bringing him back? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Though the Cardinals are in a race, so I don't know whether or not uh, they would want to. They're probably going to be buyers themselves and not sellers. Uh, uh, same thing with Milwaukee. We, we thought uh, maybe try to get Hayden the closer, but uh, they're in a race. They're back in first place, I believe, or at least they're jockeying back and forth there. 
the Cardinals and the Brewers, so I don't think he would be available as well. Well, um, any other uh, topics you'd all like to discuss at all? No? No, I have a couple little things here. And I want to give credit where credit is due to my friend Howard for pointing out that the Yankees were off on the 4th of July, and I think that is absolutely absurd. And not only that, and this comes from my friend Neil, they not only were off on the 4th of July, they didn't play on Memorial Day this year either. That, that's ridiculous. Wow. I got nothing to say other than that on that. On that. Phillies didn't play for the Phillies too. You're right. Yeah. Got that. But I, but I had it in my notes. The Philadelphia Phillies, the city of brotherly love, did not play on July 4th. That. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that one that's is insane. really, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Schedule maker should be, uh, well, I won't say shot, but. You know, I, I will say this. this. This should be some. I know baseball has changed a lot. I get that. But there should be some traditions that should be still held Absolutely. up. Absolutely. One of them being doubleheaders on Memorial Day, Fourth of July, and, and, and Labor Day. And you know what? Everybody plays. Everybody's off. Kids are home. Play a doubleheader. And you know what? I know the two games in one day and losing a gate. These guys have so much money. You know what? They can afford to give a game away for free. They'll, they'll make it up in all the food, all the uh, overpriced soda and beer that they, they sell. Please. They should do that. And, and, and me, like you and, say, it's tradition. Yeah. And maybe next year you'll get a little better when they do the interleague play. They modify where basically every team is going to play every other team. And by that, what I, what I mean is that it'll pretty much eliminate four-game series. There'll only be a handful of them, only against your interdivision rivals. And with so many people leaving the Northwest, I mean the Northeast, the Midwest, and, you know, and going to moving to other towns, it'll at least give Met fans and fans of other teams that relocated a chance to see their team every couple of years. I personally can't wait when the Mets go to these a couple of these Midwestern cities and play into league games, especially when they finally make it to Kansas City, because I, I'm I'm owed a trip to the uh, Negro League Museum. Things happened the last time we were in KC, and everything got messed up. I'm not going to elaborate on that, but we were supposed to go to the Negro League Museum, but couldn't. So next next time the Mets play in Kansas City, we want to take a trip there. I think we should all plan a road trip to Kansas City the next time uh, the Mets play there. We can hit we can hit a couple of barbecue places. I know you guys have had Bob Kendrick on your show many a times, and I'm thinking if 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 we go, regardless of who we go with, I'll just say to Mister Kendrick. I'm friends with Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. Been on this show a couple of times. I've done many a round table with them. So he'll, he'll treat me real well if he knows that. Yeah. We can he'll, also compare He'll charge notes. you double. 
<laughs> at least, at least well, he can charge me double. But if we go to dinner, he can take he can pay the bill for that. I know he has a favorite barbecue place. It's called Arthur Bryant. I remember this because when Matt and I were there in 2017, we went on the internet and we saw the top barbecue place. We didn't know anything in Kansas City. We went to the top two. Number one on the list was Q39. That was the best. Number two on the list was Joe's. That was excellent too. And wouldn't you know, number three on the list was Arthur Bryan. So we we never quite made it there. So when the Mets are playing in Kansas City, whether it's 2023 or 2024, we're going to try our very best to make it there. All right. So I don't know how the schedule is going to work out next year. Are they supposed to play every team? Yeah, it's going to be the beginning of the end. They're going to it's it's going to be the beginning of the radical end of the realignment. National League in the American end of the National League and in the American League. They're going to go like basketball, you know. And that's that's I guess that's Manfred's dream. Question for you guys, okay? Because uh, I am not I. I there's so many things that are changing in baseball that some I'm good with some I'm not this interleague uh, with every team playing every team. I'm not thrilled with the The Mets just played Texas. Did anybody re- other than the fact that it was a Met game? Did anyone say, oh, they're playing Texas. I've got to see that one. Only listeners to Mets musings because they learned about the Texas. But Lynn, substitute <laughs> the Pirates for the Texas Rangers. Isn't it the same thing? But the Pirates, we have a history. I, I, I don't know. I, I know. I, know. I don't I, love it either. But the other thing about every team playing every other team, at least it's fair that way. For years, the Mets would be playing six games against the Yankees and the Braves would be playing none. That happened way too many times. And in years where the Mets lost the division by one or two games. So the schedule's never rarely been fair. At least this makes it a little fair for everybody. Well, look, uh, even this year, I mean, if you think about it, when uh, Atlanta was having their hot streak, they were playing Washington uh, and uh, I think Baltimore and the Mets were playing the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants. So, uh, you know, it still works out that way no matter what. But that's Um, different, Gary. That's what it's when you play. I mean, when when Atlanta plays the Dodgers, the Dodgers are – are a good team regardless of when when you play just like the Orioles are a bad team whenever we're gonna have no National League we're gonna have no American League because basically it's just gonna be a hodgepodge we uh the the tradition of having two leagues and then meeting in the World Series that is all gonna go goodbye I that I oh I that could be a whole nother show but give me a break I mean I know now we've both got the DH but come on, I, I mean, they, you, you're going to have the whole thing. I'm sorry. It's just so are we going to realign? You, you really, So let's realign. So we're going to put the Mets and the Yankees and the Red Sox and in the same division. We're going to we're going to maybe the, the, the Phillies. I mean, why don't we do it that way? Why don't we why don't we realign that way? It's going to happen. I mean, it. Come on, there. This is just. It's Rob Manfred's dream. And Gary, you yeah. and I have had this conversation about total realignment. 
And yeah. I've actually had a proposal where I did put either four 18 divisions or eight 14 divisions. And the way I, I mean, I'm not going to go through the mechanizations. I'll, I'll, I'll save that for my thesis at MIT. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe that day is coming. And I'm not sure that's such a terrible thing. The All-Star game is meaningless anyway. At some point, you know they're going to add two teams. So if you have a 32-team major league with a, I don't know about, you know, I don't know whether it's eight 14 divisions or four 18 divisions, and, you know, somehow you uh, still basically keep it the way it's going to be next year. And that's not the worst thing in the world. And there are cities that have been screwed, that were screwed by major league baseball. What the city that comes to mind first and foremost is Montreal. They, they should have a baseball team. That's ridiculous. Nashville could have a team. Maybe the Marlins could relocate there. I think the 27 fans that actually attend Marlins games will, will be a little disappointed, but they'll, they'll get over it. And I'm not sure, but I, maybe you guys know, I had heard that Oakland might be getting their new stadium after all. Because I had them well, moving to, I had them moving to Vegas, which makes total sense. And then the fourth team could be like a Pacific Northwest team, whether it's you know Portland to give Seattle a rivalry. I've actually done a you know a good amount of research on this, and I think that's the way we're going. Maybe it will eliminate the American League and the National League, or they'll just be two leagues in name only. But total realignment, Mets playing the Yankees. More time, time that might be good. For, may not be good for the Mets, but it, it'll be good for baseball. <laughs> good for the fans, for sure. For I don't know about that. I think about, so. You think they, it'll they, be? I, 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 the Mets playing the Yankees all the time. Like I, it, it's a novelty now, and then it's. Uh, what they're I don't doing know. is they're, they're going to ruin the World Series because that, even that's going to be meaningless. Um, mm. The reason the All-Star game is meaningless is because they ruined it because they, they brought in interleague play. That killed the All-Star game. The All-Star game was our chance when you were kids to see the other league. Oh, they were like this other thing. We never saw them that much. Um, you know, uh, I was kind of interested to see the Texas Rangers because we, we know so little about them. And it was a chance to see another team. They've taken that away, though, with the interleague play. Well, they added it with the interleague play. How did they take it away? You said you're interested in seeing the Rangers play them. If they didn't have interleague play, you wouldn't have seen it. But if they didn't have interleague play, you'd see the All-Star game and you would see the teams then. Or you would have saw them the game of the week if it was an American League game, you know, or or. Uh, if it was in there, depending upon if you were a Mets or a Yankee fan, when we were kids, that's where you got to see these guys, and there was an intriguement about it that we don't have anymore. The All Star game was a big deal because, hey, we were going to see, uh, before the Mets came in, we were going to go see, you know, we we're going to tune in and see Willie Mays and see Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax. We just heard about Sandy Koufax. We didn't, they didn't you know, play his games because he played out on the West Coast. Um, it wasn't games like there are now or streaming and all of this stuff. 
Um, that's another thing they're going to go to. They're going to go to all streaming. Yeah. It's not going to be any networks in the future. It's going to be all, you know, you'd go to MLB TV and pay a price to either view the Met games or just to view all the games. Um, but it, they, they've ruined it. They've ruined <coughs> even the playoffs now. You know, I get a kick out of when they say, well, Reggie Jackson or maybe not him now, but whoever's got the home run record for the playoffs. Yeah, but it, see, it used to be the World Series when Mickey Mantle broke the record, Babe Ruth's record for home runs in a World Series games. It was a big deal. Now they've, they, they've watered that down by making all the records the playoff records. No, why can't we have national championship, you know, or, or uh, championship uh, records and World Series records? Why Reggie Jackson doesn't have it because he hit more. How, how do you even compare? Because when the Yankees won all those years and, and all the other teams, they didn't have all these playoff games. So, you know, Mantle's record is more important than Reggie Jackson's because Reggie Jackson had a ton more games sure. to hit it in. His sure. was just World Series games. So it, it's it's all of this stuff. And now, uh, while we have a few more minutes, what about robot umps? This is something else that's, that Manfred wants that's going to – it's going to be here. Yeah, Any I thoughts? mean, I, yeah, I mean – you have the, you know, you have Aaron Judge, six foot six. You have Alve, uh, Jose Altuve, five foot eight or something. They, you know, how could the strike zone? It can't be a, a strike zone for all, all players. And they, they got to have, I guess they'll have sensors in their uniforms to figure out when a, when a strike. I mean, you can figure out the inside outsides, the height that, that's, that's going to change. You know, the guy needs something. You know what? It, it's coming. I can see it coming, but. I'd rather not have it. I like your idea, Gary, where you uh, have a uh, sensor in the bases and see if they're, uh, you know, lights up or, or makes a noise or if they make the base, you know, in a close play. That's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a reasonable idea. It, uh, but I I don't know how it's going to work and, and how – you know, you're going to have an umpire standing there and they're going to have somebody, he's going to have a headphone telling him ball strike and then he's just going to repeat it. It's just, it goes against the whole umpiring thing, I think. Yeah. And Gary, I do agree with you when you talk about the way they report these statistics. I mean, the fact that Jock Peterson may have more postseason home runs than Mickey Mayo. I mean that's that's ridiculous. I mean, it is. I mean, I mean, come on, that, that that's just that's just plain nuts. As far as robotic umpires, I don't. Know, are they are they are they trying that in the minors any place this year? I don't. I, I thought I heard they might be. I believe that they are in certain uh, minor leagues, or they may be using it in the Atlantic League. Mm -hmm. You know it, what? I would have no problem. I wouldn't be adverse to them at least trying it. Let's say in spring training, and yeah, see, seeing how it goes. I, I don't know if I would jump right in, but the quality of umpiring gets worse and worse every year. And I think the umpires are just scared now to be wrong. And but at the same time, you want them to get the call right. And, most of the time, it takes forever. That's another issue that drives me crazy is to get 
to get the call right. I mean, on you know, safe out calls on the bases mostly. You get, you know, 20 seconds. If they they don't have an answer, the call just stands, right or wrong. Can and I interrupt for a second? Time. Wait, let me just finish, Lynn. Hold that, okay. hold that thought. You know, it, it's not so much the it's the the instant replay robotic umpires, what have you. It's just the method that they use. They, they, they have to change that and make it go faster. Gary Cohen talks about that all the time. You're going to hear, it's going to be, Alexa, what was that pitch? <laughs> well, well, Leonard, that pitch was a strike. Would you like me to tell you the weather? Oh, Alexa, thank you. Today will be rainy. Oh, will we play the game? That pitch was a ball. Thank you, Alexa. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it's going to be. Uh, well, as far as what Jeff was bringing up about the height difference, I think I'm not sure if these things use those boxes like we see on television. Now, those boxes are, are, are different for each team. I mean, it's the... the the broadcast, if it's, you know, SNY or another broadcasting, they're, they're the one who put the box because we spoke to Dale Scott and he posted on Facebook the same exact pitch with two different boxes. One from the SNY ah, broadcast, okay. one from another broadcast, and it was different. So those boxes don't really mean much. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it then. The only thing I can say is, as you said, some sort of sensor, but... You know what? If you get Aaron Judge and you put a sensor at this level and his knees, and then he crouches over, that throws the sensor all off. His his sure. strike zone's gonna uh, shrink. Same thing with Altuve. So I mean, I don't I don't know how they're gonna do it. I don't know how they do it. Um, but uh, you know, they say they're gonna do it, and and I think he said Manfred he wants it by twenty twenty four, if I'm not mistaken. So. Uh, it's coming. It's coming fast, and and I'm not a fan of it. I I just don't. I think you take the human element out of it. Yes, you want to get the calls right, but you know what? Hitting is is about adjustments, and any good hitter will tell you you adjust to an umpire. You know where he has a a, a predilection to call things. He wants to, you know. Uh, some guys are low ball callers, some are high ball callers, and you just got to be aware of that. Some some guys get the outside, some guys don't, and mm -hmm. and you have to adjust your hitting uh, to such. And Hello, if, Gary. Yes? This is not Leonard. Leonard had to leave, <laughs> so I am sitting in for him. He will be back, but until he comes back. May I ask what you are talking about? I would like to participate in the conversation. I am a robot. A robot podcast, uh huh? That Jeff, would be a good this? podcast. Jeff, this yeah. is what you put up with every week, huh? I know, right? <laughs> Poor man. Oh. Well, I guess we've beaten everything to a pulp now. So uh, <laughs> any any final thoughts? We'll just go around starting with Barry. I, I had a blast. I think this is the best 
round table <laughs> we ever had. Now, it certainly helps that the Mets are 50 and 30. Does anyone have a score of, of tonight's game? Zero, zero. Zero. What <laughs> inning? Fourth inning, and okay. J.D. Davis popped up with two men on. And Scherz is still in the game? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Alexa, what's the score? <laughs> No, this was the this is the best round table we we ever did. So, Gary, Lennon, Jeff, thank you. This this was great. <laughs> Len, uh, how do I top that? Robot Len. <laughs> well, we can do different languages too. I will talk with accents. It is good. No, I, I all, all I all I'm gonna say is I. I Wow. I think we went off the deep end. I'm just glad that I'm here for the best uh, one that we've ever done. <laughs> uh, I would have. But uh, no, it's a pleasure being on with you guys. The Mets are 50 and 30. And. Uh, and next year, they won't even play the game. It'll all be video games. It'll just be PlayStation. <laughs> Jeff. Well, thank you for having us on. This is very enjoyable. I just want to give a plug out to uh, Baseball and BBQ. Please do. Our next episode is coming out Saturday. It's going to be with Terrence Moore, who wrote a book on Hank Aaron. The real Hank Aaron. And who else will be on that show, Jeff? Well, on the base, on the, that's the, the barbecue portion is an NFL insider, Ian Rappaport. Who's going to talk about barbecue? He's also a big Mets fan. Yes. So that is going to be a show you are going to want to listen to. And you could ask Alexa to play it for you. <laughs> Alexa, play baseball and barbecue, and she will do it. <laughs> and and if you don't have an Alexa, will Siri play it or uh, Google play? Yeah, I think I think Siri. You know what I want to know is if Alexa and Siri can ever be in the same room together. Can they get along? I don't know. We have to find know. out. I heard that they had a thing years ago together, so I don't put. Or maybe <laughs> it's the little... equivalent of American League versus National League. It's Siri mm. versus Alexa. Huh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I want to thank you all for taking time out. Uh, Jeff, one other thing. What? Where can the people get your uh, wonderful podcast? We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, Len, anything else? Uh, you said Apple, right? Um, BaseballTalkRadio.com. Yeah. Any any of these podcast apps? <laughs> Gary's <laughs> Barry's throwing his notes away. That's <laughs> it. Um, anywhere you get your podcasts, and seriously, you can ask your a smart device to play it. There is nowhere you cannot find it. Just Google it. Baseball and BBQ. And uh, we're, we're, we're honored to be on with you, Gary, and to be with you, Barry. And um, this is just a pleasure. And we appreciate uh, you uh, promoting it for for Met fans that are listening to this show. I, I'm imagining Mets musings. There must be some. We had Sandy Alderson on. Let's not forget about that. So if you guys want to hear an interview with Sandy Alderson, Jeff, what episode was that? I'm putting you on the spot, aren't I? 
Oh no! All right, Google it. <laughs> Google. It. We had Sandy Alderson. Ask Alexa. Exactly. We had a uh, who? Jeff, what was some? What are some of the Mets that we have had on? Steve Traxel, Brendan Rush, Hojo, Nelson Figueroa, Nelson Figueroa, Ed Hearn. I mean, Ed, Ed Hearn. Hearn. Yeah, Ed Hearn. Todd, Todd Pratt, Ron, yeah, Swobo- Ron Swoboda, Ron yeah. Swoboda, Ed Cranepool. We had Irene Hodges on. Oh, you know what? We even had on. Um, um. Oh, I lost my. Uh, who, who was I going to say? Uh, oh, Wayne Randazzo. We had uh, Wayne Randazzo from the radio booths. I mean, so even though we're not a Mets podcast, we have had on a ton of Mets. So please listen, subscribe and all that. And we've had Gary Mack on numerous times. As a matter of fact, <laughs> we just had Gary on uh, a couple episodes ago, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Giving his all Yeah. Least downloaded episodes was the one. Not was true. Not true. The ones I'm on are <laughs> least, the least downloaded. <laughs> well, again, thank you all for uh, coming on. And this is a Mets podcast. And I have interviewed several Mets players as well, including uh, former players Ron Darling and John Matlack. And uh, even a young Pete Alonzo was on this t- show. Nice. So I hope that you will continue to. Uh, uh, watch and or listen to Harry, this podcast. That's Craig Swan you had on. Yes, yeah, Lockwood Craig's- on. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, had on some on. incredible, yeah. incredible. <laughs> listen, guys, Mets Musings is what helped launch baseball and barbecue. Without Mets Musings, there probably would not be uh, baseball and barbecue, at least not the way it is now. So you can either send Gary hate mail or fan mail, <laughs> <laughs> whichever. <laughs> <laughs> we we accept both <laughs> and remember i was a part mail. of that too that's right in the, in the right. early stages that's right the matt lato stages that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm gonna wrap it up right now so as i was saying thank you all for thank my guests and thank you all for listening and or watching to the podcast please hit the subscribe and like button uh, so we uh, we know you're watching, and uh, you will know when the next episode and the latest episode of Mets Musings come out. So until next time, remember to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's, let's go, go Mets, Gary Mack. <laughs> and I will see you all the next time on another edition of Mets Musings. <laughs>